for several reasons, I am preaching from Second Corinthians 12 this morning. And um, for one thing, I like the text a whole lot. And I think it's timely for us as well. And I was talking to Joseph about this text and how rich it is at times in our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 12. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read 1 uh, through um, 10. Let's hear the word of the Lord. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. In another translation, it says it's not lawful to utter them here. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me and hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. For you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray quietly for a moment, and then I'll lead us. Almighty God, we thank you for your holy word. And we ask you, Lord, to take away any unbelief that we might have. I pray, O God, that you would help me by the power of your spirit to preach this word with clarity and unction. And cause your people to hear it, Lord. Speak to us, we ask this day, and we pray, O God, that if any are here that aren't converted, that you would grant salvation. Any listening at home not converted, that you would grant salvation. And we pray as well, Lord, that any that are discouraged, that you would encourage us today by your word, through the working of your spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Most of us don't like to be told no. And people say no for various reasons. They're not sometimes. They're just mean. And say no just to be mean. Other times, uh, they're just uh, lazy. And don't really want to get involved. And uh, You want to help do this? No. Not really. And parents say no to children all the time because usually it's for their well-being. Whatever the reason, uh, most of the time we do not like to be told no. 
But how do we respond to God when God tells us no? Like I said, there are times when we say no for wrong reasons, for wrong motivations. But every time God says no to us, it is a good thing. It is for our good. We embrace the text in Romans 8.28. For all things I know, all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are the called according to his purpose. And we rest in that. And we rest in the truth of God's word. That whatever is going on in my life, whether pleasant or unpleasant, it is working out for my spiritual well-being, my spiritual good. And God is at work in me. The Apostle Paul here in this text speaks of this vision that he had. Uh, it was a beatific vision. He's not sure if he was present there physically or not, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know, he tells us. But because of the greatness of this revelation of being caught into paradise itself, he tells us he was given a thorn in the side. Three times he sought the Lord's help. Three times he inquired of the Lord to take it away, and God said no. What happens to see this morning uh, that we should pray through our trials, for the Lord will give us grace to endure them and endure them well. The strength of Christ is within us. In the midst of our trials, again, we should pray through those trials, for the Lord will give us the grace to endure them. And three things this morning, very quickly. Uh, the believer's prayer life should be stirred by trials. It should be enveloped by confidence and a secure of peace in our lives. And the first thing, then, uh, the prayer life should be stirred by trials. Sometimes people don't pray, and there are various reasons for people not praying. Uh, one might be that we fancy we don't need to pray, that we're self-sufficient, that we're secure, uh, that we are self-made, and we don't really need to pray very much at all. Or again, it might be that we prayed about something and that we were denied. God said no, and so we come to the conclusion, well, what's the point in praying at all then? It did not do any good. Perhaps a disagreeable providence that something happened in your life that you did not like, and you know and believe in God's sovereignty, and because of that, you're very disappointed in God's working, and so you're like Jonah who was displeased with the Lord's work. Any number of things can bring us into a position of where we simply don't have the motivation to pray. But unlike we, as we are sometimes in life, the Apostle Paul was not that way. As a matter of fact, the, the Apostle Paul, when he had suffering in his life, it drove him to seek the Lord and drove him to his knees. Paul's problem brought him into a situation of earnest prayer. As he understood and knew full well that God could take that away from him. And so he goes to the only person who can help him in that time. And it is the Lord. And we don't know what the problem was the Apostle Paul had. But some kind of affliction. Some have said he had epilepsy. Some have said that he uh, was about blind. Whatever it is, somehow and in some way, it's a source of temptation for him because it says a messenger of Satan was sent to him. Uh, and it may be that it hinders his ministry somewhat, whatever the thorn in the side may happen to be. Again, we do not know what it was. 
We do know that he asked the Lord three times to take it away, and God said no. Following the example of Jesus in the garden, remember, Jesus prayed three times. Well, are we to pray three times, and we are not to pray anything any beyond that? Three times the Lord came to Samuel and spoke to him. So, do we stop at three? And the answer to that, of course, is no. You know from being here, uh, you have, who have been here for some time, we pray for the same thing from the pulpit every Sunday. Pray for people that are sick. Pray for the needs of the church. So it's not that we pray and inquire the Lord three times and then stop. We stop when the answer becomes obvious. When we are given an answer, whether it's yes or no, and then we stop praying about it. The Apostle Paul prayed those three times, and God said no. How did he come to understand this? Was it that, uh, that God uh, revealed it to him? Uh, that Christ had uh, some sort of revelation that he gave to the Apostle Paul and uh, let him know that this was not going to be taken away? Or did Paul simply learn this through experience? As Paul said, he learned to be content in all circumstances. We're not sure exactly how it happened. Uh, but the Apostle Paul, after he had saw the Lord's face three times, he learned a lesson. And he came to a conclusion. And that was, this thing was going to be with him. This thing was not going to be taken away, whatever it was. And it was the Lord's good pleasure to, to leave it there. But as we go through our lives, we should be confident in our prayers. We should be confident because of this. The recipient of those prayers is the triune God. He is the God who made all things in the space of six days and all very good, as the catechism says. He is the God who is adored by the angels, who is infinite in his holiness. He is the God who works all things well. He does all things well. The triune God who is the God of redemption and salvation. And we have the confidence of a mediator that Christ is there interceding for us all the time. That there's never a moment in your life when God shuts his ears to your prayers. If you come to him in sincerity through Christ, he listens. And we should know that. And that should be a motivator for us to go to the Lord in prayer. And another thing we understand is this, that our God who rules over all things knows everything about us. He knows when you're suffering. We have not a higher priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. He knows exactly what we are going through. He knows and he cares. And he delights in us coming before him and seeking his face and asking things of the Lord. Asking God to remove things from us or asking God to give us things, it is that he is pleased with that. And we're asking God who loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. Well, Paul learns that this thing is not going to be removed. Somehow or another, it was revealed to him, you're going to live with this. But God said, no. But then he also said, yes. He simply did not say no to the apostle and leave it at that. 
that he is going to leave Paul in his struggles and not come to his aid at all. It is rather this, that he is going to assist the apostle. He is going to come to the apostle Paul and aid him. And what does he say to him in this text? What does he learn? In the midst of his misery, in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his suffering is this. My grace is sufficient for you, says Christ to him. My grace, my presence, my help is sufficient for you. I will be with you and I will support you and I will encourage you. And so that's the answer to the apostles prayer. My grace is sufficient for you. He didn't take away whatever the trial was, whatever the problem was. He gave him something better. And a sense of learning on the part of the Apostle Paul that what I need more than anything is not for this to be taken away from me, but the grace of God in my life. The grace of God to deal with this. The grace of God to go on and trust Him. And the grace of God to move forward to continue on. In my ministry, he gave something better than taking away the problem from the Apostle Paul. He received assurance of the grace of God to support him in all circumstances. That's a great lesson learned. We find as we look at our hearts at times, we don't pray as we should. And we don't pray for a number of reasons, as I said just a moment ago. But the grace of God is there for the asking. For the asking. Now, you have to believe that uh, God is good. You have to believe that God is able. You have to believe that God is wise. And whatever God's answer may be is the best thing for you. And so as we go through our lives and as we make things matters of prayer, then what it is that we are secure a certain amount of peace in our lives. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There it is. Be anxious in nothing. Well, what do you do instead of being anxious and fretful and worrying? Well, what we do is we pray. We put it into the hands of our God, who is quite capable And so Paul was able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who strengthens me. I can bear all. I can endure all. Because the God of my salvation is with me. And this is quite a contrast. The enemies of the apostle Paul were braggadocious. They were boastful. They were challenging his apostleship, as you know. And that's one of the things he's dealing with at the church at Corinth. People challenging his apostleship. But rather than retorting, he refrains. And rather than confronting, he explains why it is that he is doing what he's doing. That he has learned a great lesson. He has learned the great grace of God in his life. And so he says this, if I boast of anything, it's going to be of my weaknesses. It's going to be of my needs. Because when I am in the midst of my weaknesses, there's only one place for me to turn, and that's to Christ. That's to God for help. And I have His Word and I have His assurance that He will come to me and He will support me. 
There may be things in your life that you just couldn't imagine dealing with them. But I can tell you this. When those things come in the life of the Christian, there is grace to deal with it. That grace is there. That help is there. That support is there. And it's there for the asking. Now, again, we have to believe that God is in and of himself gracious and merciful and good. Because if we don't believe that God is gracious and merciful and good, we are not going to pray up to him or to put our hands into his life, our lives into his hands. If we think that God is not good. But here the Apostle Paul learned this great lesson. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Second Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 9. Uh, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, and Paul's in prison, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescent has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me, but get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me. Do you hear that? Here's a man that's in prison. He is deserted by people. He is in need of things that he can't get. And he says this, The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that my message might fully be proclaimed to all the Gentiles, that they might hear it. I was rescued from the lion's mouth. This is a man who understands my grace is sufficient for you. This is a man who understands that and understands it very, very well. My grace is sufficient for you. So Paul then, rather than being one who... Uh, is uh, challenging those who are opposing him, rest completely in his God and boast about his weakness that Christ might be lifted up, that Christ might be exalted. One of the biggest trials we probably are going to face is your own death. And, you know, when you know it's coming. For the Christian, I believe that from things I've read, there is some sort of special presence of God in the life of that individual as he is facing eternity. When two great godly men that I know of were dying, one of them said, pray for me. If I am afraid, that was R.C. Sproul. James Montgomery Boyce, great preacher, uh, as he was facing death, he had cancer and he knew that he was going to die. He asked that something be read to him again and again. And it's from Second Corinthians chapter 4, 
where we read this. <clears throat> He's talking about the gospel. And he says, we hold this treasure in earthen jars. The treasure being the gospel, we hold it in earthen jars. That is, our bodies are passing away. Our bodies are wearing out. Our bodies are decaying. And listen to what he says here. That we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, one made without hands, eternal in the heavens. You see, he had that read to him over and over as he was facing the last enemy, if you will, that Christ has already defeated. Christ is, listen to this, Christ is an enabler. You know what an enabler is, right? An enabler, uh, usually in bad, thought of in bad terms, uh, they enable people to do things that persist in something they shouldn't be doing. Uh, they don't deal with them as they should. They're called enablers. Well, Christ is an enabler in a good sense. He enables us to deal with things that we otherwise can't deal with. He enables us to bear up in things that we could never bear up with on our own strength. Well, how is that grace sufficient understanding that? How is it that it is to us to be garnered? How is it that we are to take advantage of that, if you will? Well, again, the first thing is you must be one who is in Christ. You must be a believer. If you seem to be lacking that grace of God in your life, it might be that you're not converted and you need to come to Christ. You need to come to have faith in our Savior. Second thing is, if you are a believer, you have to be convinced of God's goodness and wisdom. You don't know better than God does. You're not wiser than God. When we deal with things that are not pleasant things, that are trials for us, uh, it is there because of God's good pleasure that be there. As God is teaching us things. So we recognize God's goodness. We also recognize uh, that our God has made promises to us. And we reflect upon those promises that God has made. We think about the things God has said to us and the things God has promised us. When you lose somebody that you love, listen to this. We can say without a doubt if they're in Christ, we know they are in glory. There's no question about it. Uh, there should be no doubts at all in our thinking that one who has died in Christ has gone to be with the Lord. What does Paul say? I desire to depart and be with Christ, he says, which is far better. In glory, there's no separation. In glory, there's no sickness. In glory, there's no sin. In glory, there's no temptation whatsoever. And reflect upon those things. You see, in those realities, and recognize Christ's grace is sufficient for me. Because he's done these things for me, and they are mine. And by the presence of his Spirit and the working of Christ in our life, we hear again in our hearts and minds, my grace is sufficient for you. So we turn to Christ and look to God for his help and plead for that. And learn that his grace is sufficient for me. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing in your life, 
that may be unpleasant. Whatever you may face down the road that may be unpleasant. In your weaknesses, turn to Christ. In your weaknesses, seek the Lord. You can't do it on your own. But with Christ and his strength, you certainly can continue on in your trust and your hope in God. Let's pray.